What is up, my brothers and sisters, my agents of respect? It's your boy, Trey Johnson, back with another episode of No Disrespect But Podcast. Before we get started, make sure you like and subscribe to the channel. Always feel free to comment. Just keep those comments respectful. And if you're interested in supporting your favorite podcast, yours truly, the link to do so uh, will be in the episode description. Now, All-Star Weekend. NBA All-Star Weekend wasn't the greatest vibe. We've seen better. Um, And as always, excuse me, when something isn't to your liking, you like to compare to the past, maybe having some revisionist history of the past as well. And that got me to thinking about the bigger picture of how sports discourse especially around basketball. When we talk about eras, it's sometimes opinions that just will never change. Sometimes it's a matter of nostalgia. Sometimes it's a matter of maybe overvaluing or hyping up an era. Um, But when we were in that era, it wasn't what we try to talk about it as now. It's kind of one of those you didn't realize what you had until it was gone type of deals. And I see that a lot. Um, And, you know, sometimes it cracks itself in some of the other sports. But overall, and what I want to talk about in today's episode is we got to respect the errors, man. And, And that includes the errors we are in now. I just feel like everybody wants to draw their line in the sand and say, I'm with this era, and if you're not with this era, you don't know what you're talking about uh, with the particular game. And so I'll go, you know, with some of the sports that when it comes to that, I think do kind of a better job than others. And I will say, you know, um, football for me, the NFL in particular, is a sport where I feel like the errors are held in a high regard. Um, doesn't matter if you played in the 30s, the 50s, the 70s, early 2000s, 2010s, up until today's game. I think if you are one of those guys that can elevate the game and elevate your, not just your teammates, but beat yourself as an individual and putting up Hall of Fame uh, caliber numbers, I feel like in the NFL, there's a lot more respect uh, given from the current players to the players of the past, as well as the players of the past respecting where the game is now. Um, Also, when we talk about some all-time, you know, all-time agendas and where we are, I always felt like the NFL really had a clear-cut criteria. Um, of what do you have to do to be considered the best at your position of all time? Uh, Rings matter to some degree. Obviously, individual statistics matter to some degree. Uh, Longevity matter to some degree. How long or how long did your peak performance last? Um, How many championships were you able to acquire? Uh, How many championships did you get to? Were you regarded as 
a top quarterback or top running back, top safety, whatever it was amongst your peers at that time. I always felt like the NFL was really good in terms of not always trying to compare a person from the 1960s to a person in 2002. It was, hey, in the 1960s, this guy was amazing. He was one of the best players in the league, if not the best player in the league. The numbers they put up for the time that they played and the era they played in, what the game was like then, for them to be able to dominate their peers, it, mean, it meant a lot. That's why they're in the Hall of Fame. That's why when we talk about um, the top players to play this game, they're listed. Um, and this might be why they're number five as opposed to number eight or number 10 as opposed to number one. So it always felt like there was a, a, a clear-cut kind of criteria. But at the same time, oh, I feel like with NFL conversations, um, you can have your opinion. For example, uh, many people think that Jerry Rice is the greatest wide receiver of all time. He has the personal accolades individually. Um, he has the Super Bowl reigns to back it up. Um, I believe he has the Super Bowl MVP. So when you look at, he's by far the most decorated um, wide receiver in NFL history, um, at least that I know of. And so it makes sense to me, right, that uh, Jerry Rice would be regarded as the greatest wide receiver of all time and probably in the top five to ten of best players, best football players of all time, just based on how he was able to dominate um, the time where he played, where, you know, it wasn't too easy for wide receivers. You could get killed going across the middle and things like that, and you could really get seriously injured. And so for him to dominate in that era and then also be dominant, uh, you know, coming in the 80s, being dominant there, being dominant in the 90s, and being dominant in the early 2000s. Um, I don't think, and, and what people say about that is, you're probably never going to see that type of dominance from the wide receiver position ever. And to his credit, we haven't. Um, now, my personal favorite is Terrell Owens. He's a guy that I always put at that top wide receiver position. And it was a lot of it was a lot it was a lot based on uh, skill set and taking into account um, who his quarterbacks were. We know that Jerry Rice had Joe Montana, who's arguably uh, for a long time was regarded as the greatest quarterback of all time, and he had Steve Young. Uh, then you go to Rich Gannon, who wins a um, who wins an NFL MVP. So I always felt like. He had some of the best quarterbacks of his time throwing him the ball, um, not to mention some of the other offensive skill players that he played alongside, um, both at wide receiver position, both at the running back position, uh, even some of the tight end positions. So I always try to use that as a I can see y'all's argument for Jerry Rice. But when I look at a guy like Terrell Owens, who's the best quarterback in his career, was really Donovan McNabb for a very short stint because they couldn't get along. And then you had some years of Tony Romo, but, and he had Steve Young towards the, the latter end of his career, um, but not nearly long enough or as long as the Jerry Rice had him, right? Um, you had the, the Jeff Garcia's of the world throwing the ball. So not to necessarily knock on them, but those weren't guys that were regarded 
as the top of their position. I mean, Don McNabb was, uh, Tony Romo kind of was, but at that point in time, you know, he was still kind of young as a starting quarterback. So people were a little iffy in trying to put him in, in those talks, but he played himself into it. But um, not guys that we think about at the quarterback position that were needle movers. Um, and I always felt like to where Owens, he had the numbers, um, and didn't always have the complimentary pieces around them. So a number two wide receiver um, didn't feel like, um, you know, I always felt like the defense always knew he was getting the ball. There wasn't anybody that could take away or alleviate some of the pressure of being number one wide receiver. Um, I loved his skill set of being a physical guy, but also having top end speed. Uh, let's say compared to a Randy Moss that, you know, for me, was known for top-end speed, uh, making contested catches at the high point. Uh, you know, growing up, uh, we play a game, you know, called Moss. Um, so, you know, if I caught the ball over you, I mossed you. And so he was – Randy Moss was transitional in that sense. So there's people that have Randy Moss as the best receiver of all time because of the fear that he put in the defenses and how defenses literally changed the way they defended the wide receiver position. There was no, oh, we just playing straight man when this guy came in because he could, uh, you know, run the top off you, right? And, you know, the fact that he kind of did it for a very long time, um, you know, and and like I said, for, from a cultural standpoint, Again, nobody was saying you got T.O. or you got Jerry Rice. We're saying you got Moss. And people still say that to this day. Um, so so one could argue what Randy Moss brought to the game. He could be um, the best to do it. But the point, the larger point I'm getting at is when it comes to the NFL, I don't I have yet to really see uh, someone knock Jerry Rice to boost up a Terrell Owens or knock down Terrell Owens to boost up a Randy Moss or knock down Randy Moss to boost up a Michael Irvin or a Calvin Johnson. You know, you just stick to what these guys were able to accomplish. You 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 appreciate what they were able to accomplish. Say, hey, their name deserves to be in the conversation, which it does. And regardless of how you feel about it, you can pick one or, or whichever one you want. Excuse me. You just kind of come away with saying, okay, this is my opinion that they're the greatest and this is why, but never it being definitive in the sense of you're wrong for saying that this guy is the greatest to play that position. And you kind of see that overall uh, at the quarterback position. I think, um, now I will say in, in more, more recent history, I think things are getting kind of crazy with the Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady stuff because, and not so much that people are trying to say that Tom Brady was a horrible quarterback, but I think that um, they're having revisions history about truly how great he was early on. I think a lot of people assume that, oh, he was just carried, but we got to understand where the Patriots were as a team before he got in. We got to understand the offensive uh, pieces that were around him. We got to understand who or how Bill Belichick was regarded as a head coach at that time. And so I think as time has passed on, we have tried to make it a point to um, disregard that in terms of elevating a Patrick Mahomes, who by the end of his career could very well be considered the greatest quarterback of all time. But kind of how I mentioned, NFL has clear-cut criteria. So do you have all the – do you have the accolades yet? Do you have the 
the yards and things like that. Well, you got a lot of catching up to do to get to Tom Brady, but you have the opportunity. Do you have the playoff wins? Not yet, but you have the opportunity. Do you have the Super Bowls? Not yet, but you have the opportunity. Um, you know, and keep in mind, we also have to bring um, kind of the, the physical a aspect in this, which what are the physical gifts that these guys have uh, throwing the ball? And so I think that's kind of been the, the larger argument, too, of saying, hey, Patrick is is doing some things for, at the quarterback position for, with his physical gifts that we haven't seen, right? And so I think that's where some people are saying we're just pretty much assuming this guy's going to be it. Kind of like uh, a Michael Jordan, for instance. You know, people were calling him the greatest of all time in, in 86, 87 even though he hadn't even won a ring yet. And so I think that might be where people are coming from when they want to put uh, Patrick Mahomes there. But again, I, I I think there has been a standard set for how the NFL does things um, to where certain milestones have to be checked off. That's just the precedence that has been set. But at the end of the day, I still think even as contentious as the Mahomes versus Brady argument can become, uh, there's not really that level of uh, disrespect um, to Brady or to Patrick Mahomes, for that matter, or to any of these quarterbacks that have been in the GOAT um, conversation. Uh, it hasn't been disrespect to such an egregious level um, where people truly get into arguments over this stuff. It's This is my opinion. These are the facts as to why I think it's my opinion. Hate it or love it. That's just what I'm rolling with. And and I kind of appreciate that. And um, you, you kind of see it. In baseball, I still think errors get um I think errors get appreciated. I will say from my personal standpoint, I mean I'm not a huge baseball fan, so forgive me. Um, you know, if to you what I'm saying is is a little bit off base, but I do think we tend to overrate um players from the past in baseball. And what I mean by that is the the type the game has changed. Who was allowed to play during those times? Um, the types of pitches that you were seeing, the rules of how you had to play uh, defense and things like that. It was totally different back then than to what it has become. And so I think if I transported a player back then, let's say to the the 30s and 40s and stuff like that, I don't think those players back then could hold a candle to players right now. But that's also okay. I think the game is supposed to evolve and whatever it is, and you have to appreciate that. But I do think baseball players and fans, I think they take the respect to maybe um, a different level that's too respectful of an era to where you're still having guys in the top five, top ten that I believe guys maybe in the past – 30, 35 years have blown them out of the water from a, a statistical standpoint, but also where the game is, um, what they're up against. Um, and so that's kind of my only really beef with baseball in terms of I think they just do too much respect in terms of not giving some of the players that came out of those other eras um, as much respect. Like for me, Barry Bonds is my GOAT, and I understand um, everything that goes in with the, with the whole PED allegations and things like that, why people won't, don't want to do it. But kind of similar to the whole Jerry Rice thing where I've seen this guy dominate. This guy has had three different Hall of Fame careers. I mean, if you take if you take his numbers from the alleged PED times, 
he's still a Hall of Famer. He's still one of the best to ever do it. And uh, while he never won a ring, which sucks, you know, I remember uh, cheering for him to beat, I believe it was the Anaheim Angels at that point, and it just didn't happen. And so uh, he was always the greatest I had seen from uh, a hitting standpoint, uh, from a defensive uh, standpoint, uh, having multiple golden gloves. So he's my goal. But some people still have Babe Ruth, which to me, mm, I think we're being a little bit too respectful to the Babe. Would he still probably be good in this day and age or, or probably, you know, 30, 40 years after, you know, he called the quits? I think he'd probably still be one of the better players. I do think athleticism counts. Um, I Like, I think a Jackie Robinson would still be a phenomenal athlete um, and, and one of the best players that would play the game if he was born 30 years later and still playing, just, you know, based on how he was as an athlete and a baseball player. But I do think there are some guys that's like, why are they still in the conversation? I mean, we have to move on. Pitching has got better in the nuances of how they pitch um, and things like that. So baseball, to a degree, is still comparable to to the NFL in terms of the respect for uh, the different eras and the players that came from the past. And I would say... The players that are here now, um, to see the way those athletes in those respective sports talk about the athletes now and hold them in high regard and wish nothing but the best for them, uh, you have to commend the older guys for that um, because you can have this sense of, hmm, they saying they better than me and yada, yada, yada. But no, I'm glad that, yeah, when I was playing, I didn't probably have the best resources and things like that. And do I feel like I could be as or could have been as good as these athletes are now with those resources back then? Of course I do. But at the same time, what I did and the sacrifices I made and the work I put in, it allowed and afforded these players to have these things. And I think the current players pay that back in kind, one, by loving the game, doing things the right way, most of them, and always giving and showing love to the guys that pioneered the game. You see the exact opposite in the NBA. It's ridiculous. I mean, you have current generations fighting against former generations. And I'm not just talking about the 90s fighting the currents. I'm talking about folks from the 80s, the 70s, the 60s. I mean, and granted, look, I get it. The guys today, you're calling guys back then like the Jerry West of the world, plumbers and stuff like that, when granted to afford a lifestyle because the NBA wasn't paying the damn thing, uh, they had to go get other jobs. So some were plumbers. Some were um, working in factories and things like that and having to get off of that job and go play. And so to their point, they're like, yeah, we did all that to give you the opportunity to where all you have to do is play basketball and make tons of money, more money than we made in a lifetime, especially during our playing career. Um, and so I understand that from the old heads perspective, but also I understand the new guys when it's, when they're saying like, Hey, we're growing the game too. Like sometimes the older guys can, can take this stance as if the buck stopped with them. Their era was the was the cream of the crop and the shining star. And once they let it go, these these new hard headed kids just ruined everything. And, and I think that's incorrect. I think the game of basketball is more popular than it's ever been. 
Um, we're bringing folks that would never care about the game of basketball into the sport because of how marketable our players are and how approachable our superstars are and, and how a good bit of our guys where you don't have to be some athletic, athletically gifted phenom to, to do great things in a league. You see guys that you look at their game and you're like, hmm, I can do that. I can I can work on my dribble. I can work on my jump shot. I can work on my layup package to finish at the rim like a Kyrie Irving. Um, I can I can be a Pat Beverly. I can really focus and hone in on making sure that, hey, I'm a team player. So, yeah, while I want to score all the points, guess what? My role doesn't dictate that I have to do that or that I should be doing that. So there are a lot of things that we can learn from the guys today, especially knowing how talented they are all around the board and guys being able to sacrifice for the betterment of the team. Are things all the all good? No, I hate the fouling and, and things like that. But again, that's partially and mainly due to the fact that's what the rules are now. So are we going to blame athletes for the rules? Um, and they aren't the first ones. Guess what? Generations before them, there were certain rules that were put in place that that allowed some people to take advantage of that. You know, the the zone rule where you couldn't the zone defense used to be illegal. Now it's prominent. You might think it's man to the naked eye, but they're playing a match zone. Um, three seconds didn't used to be a thing. Now it is. So. Um, carrying and all that type of stuff like there are things that have led the game of basketball right to change and for the superstars in that league to change with it and excel in it um and what i always say is it's hard to to compare errors in basketball because the rules were different just like it's hard to compare errors in football there were things you could do to the quarterback in the 1970s, that if you even blew on them in the 2020s, you're getting called the flag. Like they're calling the flag for. If you did what they did in the 70s, you're going to prison. They are. They're not just flagging you and throwing out the game. No, they're telling the police officers on standby, put that man in handcuffs and take him out of the stadium. He's going to jail. So there are different errors. There were things that you were allowed to do offensively, defensively, that you that you can't in this era. Like there are differences in special teams now in football, right? And so when we get to basketball, there's there's so many changes that have happened in the game. And I just wish that instead of having a pissing contest, every every year, every year of my era was better or I'm the greatest of all time and things like that. Guess what? The greats never had to say it. When you look at these other leagues, the greatest football players ever aren't beating the drum and saying, I'm the greatest football player ever. I'm the greatest at my position. Baseball players aren't doing it either. But in this me-me society that we have, I think basketball culture has gravitated towards that, unfortunately, where everybody wants to be the best and they want to show you not just that they're the best and not having numbers or their numbers relegated to their era to show that they're the best. They want to they want to down where the game has been in other eras. And I just can't get with that. And I think 
with a game that's bringing in more and more casual fans, we are doing it a, a disservice. You know, when you get new fans in, you should be elevating your former stars. So people that probably didn't have an opportunity to see them play and know who they were, you can be able to talk about them in a in, in a positive light and, and how they were able to dominate in this ring culture that has affected um the game of basketball is ridiculous. Do they matter? Yes, they matter. But they're the low-hanging fruit. It's a team sport. Now, when I get into the GOAT conversations, guess what? There's people that believe LeBron James is the greatest of all time. Uh, longevity plays into that. The scoring, by also being one of the top leading assist people of all time, goes into that. Um, I mentioned longevity, how dominant he's been. He's 39 years old and, and still a top 10 player in the league. Uh, what he was able to do once he he learned how to win and be dominant in that in that matter and always being uh, the guy on the opposing team's hit list, so to speak, of we got to stop this guy. He's done enough to be in the conversation. We need to at least stop acting like the guy shouldn't be in the conversation. Now, on the flip side of that, to me, Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time. Yeah, 6-0. We can talk about the NBA Finals, but like I've always said in many discussions is, I look at what he did for the game of basketball, the way he marketed it. Magic and Bird made it national. Michael made it an international brand, in my opinion. Everybody wanted to be Michael Jordan, from America to Italy to Saudi Arabia. They wanted to be Michael Jordan, the shoe game. Yes, other players had shoot deals before him, but what he was able to do and how he was able to get a deal unlike any other with Nike, uh, the fact that people still buy Nikes and they don't even wear them out. They just buy them to have, or or or, or Jordans, I should say. Like they buy Jordans to have, to say I have them. Uh, so what he's done for the shoe game, and now you see more and more superstars valuing that. You have guys that collect shoes, and guess what? Michael Jordan is still the top seller in shoes. So he's transcended the game that way. Um, what he did during the Olympics, we don't get the same vibes. The, the game doesn't become as global as it has become where my Spurs get a Manu Ginobili, where Luka Doncic is going crazy now, where Nikola Jokic, like, excuse me, <clears throat> sorry. We don't get those guys if Michael Jordan doesn't join that dream team. Because he was that magnetic force. Uh, ownership. Now, when you start to talk about what do players want to do after retirement, they're not talking about, oh, I might want to get into coaching or I might want to get into broadcasting. Not saying that they aren't doing those things because a lot of them are. Um, and they're, they're great at it, right? But you have stars like KD, LeBron, D Wade, saying, I want to own, I want to own a team. I want to be in ownership. How do I get that done? And so those weren't things that were being talked about uh, really, really out there for NBA players to do once they retired. But Michael Jordan did that. He spearheaded that movement. Um, he was the face of that movement. And so that's why for me, he's, he's the greatest of all time. And not to mention all the individual accolades he has, um, the MVPs, the, the all-defensive teams, the all-star games, the scoring um, titles, all that type of stuff. So that's why he's my goal. But I but see how I could explain that 
one without using the ring argument in one A without having to bring down LeBron James or a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or a Kobe Bryant in the process. And I feel like people have missed that opportunity. Like, why are we tearing down a Kobe Bryant to bring up a LeBron James or Michael Jordan? Why are we uh, trying to disregard how dominant a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is when folks say, hey, y'all need to really start putting him in those talks because a big man who won at every facet of his life, high school, college, and the NBA, and did all of his scoring with two-pointers. He didn't shoot three-pointers. That's a domination. If you want to put a Wilt Chamberlain in there, uh, a force that he was, if you want to put a Bill Russell, a Bird, a Tim Duncan, you can. I will hear your argument, but I think too many times we don't want to hear the argument. We just want to argue. Um, and... Maybe it was all fun and games when it was barbershop talk and it was your your average fan talking nonsense. And I get it. We're fanatics. Sometimes we miss the bigger picture, right? But now you're having players and 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 former players and former execs and former coaches doing things for hot takes and uh, former beat writers, like people who know better, people that have been around probably have forgotten more about the game than we'll ever know. And instead of taking that opportunity to educate people, especially such a new audience coming into your game, we use these opportunities to say, hey, those guys that pioneered this game and built this game, let's crap all over their accomplishments. Or a guy like Charles Barkley, who was a dominant force, if you actually watched his game, oh, let's dismiss him and his basketball acumen because he never won a championship. That's what we do now. I mean, shoot, in the in, in the NFL, we have guys who were journeyman quarterbacks giving analysis, and guess what? Their opinions are respected. They don't get, oh, man, you was a backup. Dan Orlowski, backup quarterback, from a playing standpoint, known from running uh, behind the end zone and getting a safety, guess what? This man drops knowledge. From a football standpoint, both college and and professional football, this guy knows this guy knows what he's talking about. Why? Because he obviously was good enough in high school to get a scholarship, was good enough in college to start, was good enough in college or you know good enough in college to then get an opportunity to play in the NFL and play a long time, not start too many games. But guess what? He got he kept the job, so there's something about him. And guess what? His opinion matters. You don't have guys who are stars in their craft saying, hey, Dan, you can't talk about this because you weren't a star. You don't have a ring, Dan. How many stars you have? Like, they don't do that. But it always seems like the NBA, and it hurts me because that's my favorite sport. And I've been across a few eras. So I, I saw the late 90s. I saw the early 2000s. I saw the 2000s. I'm, I'm seeing where we are now, and I've seen the changes. Some I love, some I do not. But at the same time, I'm not going to disrespect either one. Because guess what? The game's going to change again. And then are we going to be talking about LeBron James, the way we talk about some of these guys? Are we going to be talking about the Kyrie Irvins and the Luka Doncic's, the Trey Youngs? Like, are we going to be talking about them like they didn't matter? If that's the case, I feel sorry for where the game is going at some point. We got to respect where we came from. 
And we got to respect where we are now. And that starts with everybody. That starts with the, the players of the past and the players of the present. Y'all got to do better, man. It's a big fraternity. You got to do better on how you treat each other, how you talk about each other. If you feel like you're the greatest, guess what? Let the people talk about it. The people will handle it for you. Because again, the greats never had to tell you how great they were. They never did. They just showed it. They put forth the example. And if you believe they were the greatest, they were the greatest. If you didn't, you didn't. But guess what? You had the right to your opinion. We could all go home. We're not going to fight for days, weeks, months, and not, at this point, years over the same tired talking point. Because you're not going to change your opinion based on what evidence you have. I'm not going to change my opinion based on what evidence I have. And guess what? That's perfectly fine. But do we got to talk about it every time? Do we have to diminish each other every time? NBA players and fans alike, you could learn from your peer sport organizations, being the NFL and Major League Baseball. Do they have it right? Do they have it 100% down to a science? No. They have their flaws. There are things in today's game that don't mesh well with, with yesterday's game. And there are things that were in yesterday's game that don't mesh well with today's game, what today's athlete is doing and how they're coming up. But one thing you can never accuse them of is forgetting the pioneers of their game, valuing the pioneers of their game, and those same pioneers showing nothing but love universally to the guys carrying the torch now. My hope and my wish is that the guys in the NBA start to embrace that as well. It's not fun. It's not, it's not hilarious. It's not cool to diminish the game of basketball, where it was, where it's gone, and where it's going to continue to go. We need to grow with it. We need to adapt to it. We need to learn how to appreciate it in all forms in all eras. I hope we can move forward with that analysis and that mindset, but who knows? Maybe we'll continue to get what we've been getting for decades. Bunch of young guys hating on the old guys. A bunch of old guys hating on the young guys. Was it just a bunch of hating? We need more love especially in this day and age. Let's show our fans, let's show the, the millions and millions of people that embrace your product. Show them love for once. Show them how you respect your elders. Show elders, show how you give respect and not just demand respect. You give it and then you get it in return and not just a, I deserve your respect. Show your fans. There are examples of what it looks like to do that in the sports world. You just happen to be behind. Catch the hell up. Anyways, that's today's show. I uh, appreciate everybody uh, listening. And as I always say, if there's anything I said to offend you, that is a good thing. It's an opportunity for me to learn. It's an opportunity for you to teach me. 
All I ask is that you keep it respectful. Peace.